If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. As we've been reporting, the death of 22-year-old Gabby Petito is being investigated as a homicide. We begin with the latest on the search to find Brian Laundrie, the only person of interest in the homicide death of Gabby Petito. Hello, Crime Creeps. Welcome back to Case Watch Podcast. It's your pal, Mark. And Charity. And we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to do some Triple D, just in case you forgot what that was last week. That is dimwits, dipshits, and douchebags, where we tell you a funny case and you got to decide which one of the three it is. And Charity says she has a case she wants to cover, so I'm going to let her go ahead and do it. Charity, let's start out. What one of these Triple Ds are you bringing to the table today? Well, Mark, a man confused about Ohio drug laws called a police department demanding that officers return the small amount of marijuana that was stolen from him. It first went as this. Hi, I need to do a complaint about two cops. The irate sounding man says in the call, they stole my effing weed last night. There's a slight pause after he speaks. And then the dispatcher calmly responds, okay, let me have you talk to the supervisor. So a sergeant then takes over, at which point the caller says he'd been staying at a hotel when the theft took place. My wife had my effing weed in her purse and the mother effing cops took it. It was really good effing weed. The caller then gets increasingly upset as the sergeant tells him he's wrong about the legality of the amount he allegedly had and that he'll have to come down in person to file a complaint. The suburban Cincinnati department wrote on Facebook, people may be a bit in the weeds, so we would like to take the opportunity to clear the haze to it. While some Ohio cities have decriminalized pot possession, it remains illegal in the state. To be blunt, recreational marijuana is still illegal in all caps per our state law. So this mother foe called the police because his weed was stolen. <laughs> I'm sorry. That they is, make all kinds. It's fantastic. Who do you call? You don't call your dealer or wherever you buy your weed because you pissed because you already spent the money on your weed and it was in your wife's purse. Maybe your wife took it. I don't know. Maybe ask her. Yeah, I can't believe that he called the cops. And That's the cops, awesome. The cops were so uncooperative. They wouldn't help him, Mark. I can't imagine why. I, I have no idea. I think that's so rude of them. <laughs> Any other candidates for this week? Yeah, please hold. 
Oh boy, do I ever. Oh, I'm excited. Go ahead. Listen to this triple D. A felon from Washington state made a series of blunders when he shot himself in the testicles. <laughs> I'm sorry. And tried to hide the weapon all while storing drugs in his anus. A report said Wednesday. <laughs> Cameron Jeffrey Wilson, 27, was carrying a pistol in his front pocket while in his cashmere wash apartment on April 5th when the firearm accidentally discharged and pierced his groin and thigh. (laughs) And he lives on cashmere. (laughs) And he shot its testicles. Did he call the cops? I don't know. It doesn't say. We should said. Oh, my God. It takes, like I said before, it takes all kinds, people. I wish it said. This one's really fantastic. Oh, you got another? I got another little, little one. Just a little one. So Hackensack, New Jersey. Police in New Jersey say footprints in the snow led them from a crashed stolen car to the man suspected of stealing the car. Hackensack, which is the Hackensack, if I'm, that is a fantastic name. I I like that. I like that. Hackensack police captain Peter Bus. Guglio, sorry, says the 23-year-old suspect was arrested on motor vehicle theft and resisting arrest charges. So this asshat, for a better word, friggin' led the police to himself. He stole a car and then ran off to evade the police and all they did was follow his footprints. What a dipshit. That's a dipshit. Oh, that I, yeah, that one's a definitely di- a dipshit. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that that's just dipshit. You should definitely find a different career, sir. Yeah, you're not a good criminal. Not many are. We're definitely proving that. So Charity, I am excited to hear about this case that you have. Super, super excited. So I don't know if everybody remembers, but a previous episode, I said I was going to maybe cover a few cases that happened on a Halloween. So this particular case happened on Halloween 2010, and it is the Liskey family murders. Okay, so Mark, I'm going to first tell you the kind of key players in this case. So it is William E. Lisk. He was 53 at the time. Susan Lisk, who was 46 at the time. Derek Griffin, who was 23 at the time. Devin Griffin, who was 16 at the time. And BJ Lisk, who was 18 at the time. Now, BJ Lisk, actually, his real name is William Lisk, like his father, but everyone calls him BJ. Billy Jr. Billy Jr., that's right. And actually, William's friends call him Billy because in his unfortunate obit, it's Billy Lisk Jr. So the family members that were killed were Billy, his wife, Susan, and Susan's son, Derek. They were all killed by BJ Lisk and they were found by Devin Griffin. So by all accounts, Derek and Devin are Susan's children from a previous marriage. Okay. And then we have BJ, who is Billy's son from a previous marriage. This is a really sad story, guys. And it involves mental health, which is a big problem, I think, everywhere. There's not enough talked about. There are people who are trying to make a difference and do things, but mental health is a really, really, really big issue. And we find with a lot of these killings or even some serial killers, we find out in the after fact that they had a a mental condition that maybe they knew about, maybe they didn't know about it, maybe they just didn't go for help or didn't have the family members to show them. You know, we, we see this a lot. It's sad to know that maybe if they had gotten the help they needed, that any of these tragedies could have been avoided. Yes. So the family lived in Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, their family home was 7052 North Ohio too. So let's talk about, uh, BJ does have a police record. So let's talk a little bit about that first. So in early 2002, BJ was 16 years old. Uh, he was on house arrest. This was the first time Bill called the police. BJ was threatening to hurt himself. And upon arrival, he tried to attack the police. 
So when he was 16, he was already showing some signs of aggression, obviously. Now we move on to October 2004 and BJ gets in a fight with his stepmom, Susan, and he begins hitting her. Two months later, he was charged with criminal assault and robbery. He hit Susan and stole her car keys. He wasn't competent to stand trial, so charges were dropped. So if he wasn't competent to stand trial, then they must have known he's got some mental stuff going on. I wish they could have maybe stepped in at that point. You're going to see that his parents tried really hard. So hopeful that BJ would get mental health treatment. His parents moved him to a group home in Sandusky where treatment was provided. The treatment unfortunately didn't seem to be working as BJ got in fights with his dad at pickups and at the facility itself. The police were called up to three times. So they have him in this this kind of treatment place where he's living with other people that it's around the clock mental so treatment. So they did and do some. They, his, his, these parents tried really hard, Mark. Oh, it's a really it sad story. Yeah. So, and, and his father loved him so much. So uh, BJ, he was 18 at the time of the killings. He was not living at home because his dad had to kick him out after he attacked Susan again in the shower. This actually led to a stay in the hospital. He received treatment for a schizoaffective disorder. All right. Schizoaffective. I want to look that up because I want to know what this means. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So Google says it's characterized by exhibiting symptoms of both schizophrenia and a mood disorder such as bipolar or depression. So that's really getting both ends of the spectrum. So I I can kind of imagine what this gentleman was going through. So, I mean, as we can see, these parents, I mean, even his stepmother who had been attacked by him really, really, really were trying their hardest to really get him help. You know, but once you turn, he was 18 at the time. And didn't you say that uh, he attacked her in the shower too? He attacked her in the shower. That's why Bill, his father, eventually had to have him leave the house. I mean, that's like horror movie style stuff right there, because that's like your safe place where you're not expecting, you're not expecting to get hurt anywhere, but definitely not the shower. Not the shower. So Bill wanted nothing more than to be in BJ's life and for him to be okay and healthy. He would visit him frequently at the halfway house he was living in at the time. So he went back into a halfway house after he was hospitalized and got diagnosed. They were hoping, I think, that he, you know, was on the right medications, that things were going in the right direction. And, you know, Bill visited him all the time by the accounts that I read. He 
he really was a really good dad to him. And unfortunately, we're going to see what happens. In fact, Mark, family friends would say that they were really worried for their safety and the safety of their home, that they should take precautions. And I guess over the years when BJ was living at the home, neighborhood animals would go missing or would be found dead and tortured. And oh, they, we've read about that a lot yeah, in stories. And they for, firmly believe that BJ did it. So people could see it. And it was an obvious thing to people. I mean, obviously, if they tried to get him help so many times, they knew. Everybody knew that something wasn't quite right with him mentally. I think everybody knows. But I, I, when you're living in that situation, I think when it's your child or your family, you, I don't think you ever think it's going to go to that level, though. And I this, think it's something we try to tell ourselves. And it's sad because Bill, his dad, was quoted saying, BJ would never hurt us like that mm. because he loved him so much and he didn't think he was capable of murder. You know, and, and I'm sure the family, maybe they, you know, sometimes when it's your kid like that, you would think to yourself, oh, he didn't, he didn't harm that animal. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't do that. That must, some another animal must have gotten it. I'm sure in their mind, they tried to like make excuses and, and for some parts, they didn't ignore it. Obviously they tried to get him help. They were great, great parents. So I say, do you want me to get into exactly what happened? Now I think I need to know more. Okay. So Devin Griffin, the youngest of Susan's boys, he was 16 years old at the time of this, this poor, poor boy. So Devin Griffin had come home on Saturday morning and he was visiting with his father, apparently. And he did have an interaction with BJ and he did notate that usually BJ was very like sullen and kind of just very quiet and didn't want to talk to anybody. He, He did notate in the after fact that he was in a good mood and it seemed strange to him. He didn't think it was strange then. It's sad when the strange is a good mood. Exactly. That, that kind of goes to show kind of maybe what this family was dealing with this whole time. This is super sad. So sad. So this actually took a lot out of me because I just, these stories are hard to cover because the things you have to read are just, you almost have to separate yourself a little bit. So anyways, he returned from the visit with his father. He had that little exchange with BJ. He changed his clothes quick and then he went off to church. After returning from church, he proceeded to go up into his room and play video games. Typical 16-year-old kid, you know. Around 1.30 in the afternoon, he realized how quiet the house was. So he decided to look for his mom, Susan. He found her in the master bedroom, still in her bed, laying next to his stepfather, Bill. How sad must that have been that they just looked like they were sleeping? Oh, oh, wow. I'm, I'm catch. Oh, wow. Yeah. So their comforter was pulled way over their heads. Devin tried to talk to his mother. When there was no response, he pulled down the comforter a little bit and saw... Uh, so much blood stain on the pillowcase. So he was first thinking, this is so sad. He was first thinking that maybe this was a Halloween prank and then realization came to him. So this family must have been a really fun family is what I'm thinking. If he, his first thought was, oh, maybe this maybe mom, mom and dad are pranking me. So I want to, I want to make sure I understand this. So he had left and come back and went upstairs and this whole time. This family was already so when he, Dead. so from, from my account, when he came home from a visit with his father, and that is when he had the interaction with BJ, but he just assumed, you know, that makes it even worse because his stepbrother was super happy. Right. And it was early in the morning. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been strange that his parents would maybe still be sleeping because he changed his clothes and he went to church when he returned from church again, Everybody probably does their own thing on the weekends, right? He just assumed they were off doing whatever. And so he went up like any 16 year old kid and played video games. And then around 1.30, he's like, probably why hasn't anyone peeked in or why haven't I heard anybody? And when he had come back from church, BJ wasn't there anymore. Wow. I'll get into what BJ did after. Oh, I, I can just imagine. 
Yes. So anyways, after he realized that this was no prank, he decided to run out of the house before trying to look for his older brother, Derek Griffin, because he was petrified that somebody could still be in the house. So now he was afraid for his his safety and he was freaked out. And so he ran out of the house. So after fleeing the house, Devin called his aunt to try and tell her what he found. She immediately came to try and calm him down and call the police. He was so frantic. He didn't even think to call the police. He just called his aunt immediately because he was freaking out. And I don't know if maybe she lived closer, closest, or I'm not sure what that was about. Now, poor Bill was shot five times in the head and face. He was lying in a natural sleeping position. So he, he was likely probably shot before his wife. Susan was shot three times and looked as if she may have been woken up or tried to flee or that her body was possibly moved a little bit, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And they were both shot at close range, likely a 22. And then this part, I want to throw up. It wasn't clear if Susan was sexually assaulted before or after she was shot. Oh. This, this might explain why her body looked like it could have been moved. So he assaulted her sexually, his own stepmother, either before or even worse, if there is any worse, her dead body. Now that makes me go back to where he assaulted her in the shower before. Did maybe he try to do something before? It's a big possibility. I'm sure. This is horrible. So after finding Bill and Susan, the police uh, went up and they end up kicking in Derek's door because they, they tried to find a response. They knocked the door. They, they yelled and there was absolutely no response. So he, this is, oh my God. He died from a severe blunt force to his head. And later on, a claw hammer was found and it was full of blood. And he was still in his bed and he was facing the wall when he was discovered. That makes me wonder, maybe he was the first victim because the other ones were with a gun. So he would have been woken up and come in at that point. So uh, that kind of adds a little bit to the timeline then. Yep. So I have a few key points here. After um, Devin had that little encounter with BJ that morning, right when he got home before he went to church, once he was gone, BJ took the family's Ford F-150 and drove to the family cabin, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But first he stopped and got himself a nice Subway sandwich. What is it about Ford pickup trucks? Because this is now the second time we've heard about someone possibly being in a Ford F-150 and Subway of all places. Yeah, he must have needed a sub. He was he was like really ravaging. From the murders, probably. Oh, maybe he's getting a foot long now, but it's not a subway, I hope. I hope not. So let's talk about a little of the kind of directly before this happened. Bill actually took a vacation from work so that he and BJ could go deer hunting at the family cabin. And this was just a week before the murders. As I said a little earlier, the friends of the family were very concerned for their safety. And Bill going off by himself with him. People got concerned about that. Well, yeah, especially now this kid just killed the entire family and he was alone with them in the woods. After returning to Bill's home from their hunting trip, they had some beers with some of the neighbors, kind of just hanging out, whatever. And Bill didn't want to drive after drinking. So he told BJ to spend the night. This was October 30th. So this was that Friday. He would sleep on the couch that night. So that's what he did. He slept on the couch that night. And then the morning of October 31st at 6.30 a.m., a neighbor would report of hearing gunshots. Don't think they called it in. So I don't know if maybe they're near a shooting range or they're in an area where that could possibly be common. I don't know. By all accounts, 6.30 a.m. is probably when it happened. So their other son, Devin, came home after that, and that's when he was all smile and happy. I can just imagine the survivor's guilt now that Devin must feel he's the only one left other than him. Yeah. I mean, 
it makes me wonder why did he stop there? I mean, I'm glad he did, but yeah, I, I couldn't imagine living with what Devin's living with now. No, no, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. It's, it's, oh my gosh. So the police figured out what happened very quickly. And the first place they checked was the family cabin. So they surrounded the family cabin where BJ was and they arrested him and charged him with aggravated murder for each of their deaths. I guess BJ was emotionless at trial. And he said, I loved my dad very much. And it makes me feel sick every time I think about what I did. I can't really explain why this all had to happen, but I think most of it had to do with my mental illness. So he says this, but he did have a trial. So he was deemed confident, competent to, to hit trial. So I, I don't know. Maybe he was on new medications at that time. So he entered a guilty plea and he was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. So he knew he did it. They said he was competent. Maybe he did get on some new medication. I wish they could have done this before. Oh my gosh. And in 2015, while behind bars at age 29, he took his own life. Oh, that's even horrible too. So shortly after the murders, Bill Liskey's sister actually died in a garage fire. So the poor mother now has a grandson that died, a daughter-in-law, her son, and her daughter. Oh, wow. See, I wish we could understand mental illness a lot more than we do because there's, it's easy for us to say this person was horrible, but we also don't know what was in their head when any of this was going on. Exactly. I mean, he, he who knows if he heard something or he just... I don't know. You, you don't know. That's why we need to really bring awareness to it because who knows what was going on in his head? Who knows what told him or made him think it would be a great idea to do that? Yeah, what changed from the day before to that next well, day where you made that next step? Exactly. And he was, he was deer hunting. So he had his, whatever he used to hunt deer with his father. He could have just killed his father then, right? What made him decide to do it? And I don't, I personally don't, reading up on all of this, I don't think it had anything to do with Halloween. Like some of these murders that are committed on Halloween have to do with Halloween because people think that it's, I don't know what, but this I think was just a coincidence that it fell on Halloween. I'm going to go back to that same thing in the shower. It makes me really wonder if this was somewhat sexually motivated because the assault happened while she was in the shower the first time, then he killed his brother and then his father. And then afterwards the mom was sexually assaulted, the stepmom. Yeah. It's, it's super sad and I don't think we'll ever know. And who knows if he even knows what transpired. It's really, 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 really sad. It's one of those things. I mean, like any senseless murder or anything, but here's the thing, Mark, you you say, we say, or people say it's something that could have been prevented, but other than locking him up in an asylum, I wonder what else could have been done. I mean, they had him, they had him, they got him help. He was, he had been in in hospitals before evaluated. I mean, these people did everything that you're supposed to do with someone like this. From the sounds of it, it, we say a lot, you know, the app, the douche apple doesn't fall far from the douche tree. That that's not the case here. It seems like this family was a loving and caring family that tried what they could. And this was not a case of this is what I grew up in. And this is what I know this, that adds a whole new dimension to it. It does. It really does. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this would have been prevented other than, like I said, putting him in a facility, but as a parent, right. You're trying to see the good. He's taking him hunting. He's trusting him with a weapon. He doesn't think he's going to hurt him. The father, you know, what's really sad that makes me think about how the miscarriage of justice does happen in this country. Sometimes we talked about free Britney not too long ago. And basically that whole court system set up to basically take all of her rights away and not make her human. But yet we have somebody here who has actual mental illness and has done stuff. And that is not. Is a, that's a very interesting point, Mark. Oh my it's gosh. Just something it, just to point out. When you put it in perspective like that, here we have poor Brit who we love. She's fantastic guys. I really, really enjoy her. Just want you to know. 
And this poor thing has been in a conservatorship. She just, just now it, it stopped after what, how many years was that? I forget now. I, it was a lot. And this is a person who could hold down a residency and perform every single night in Vegas, but can't run her own. That makes no sense. And then you have somebody who really does have severe mental problems. Could have benefited from something like this. Absolutely. I guess it's all about who you are sometimes. Also too, I feel like once somebody is of age, so he was 18 at the time of this, if something like that is not in place already, I mean, obviously we see with Brittany, it can be done, but if he, he's technically an adult and once you're an adult, if you're not deemed incompetent, then you by all accounts, make your own decisions, right? That's why so many teenagers make stupid decisions. Yeah. 100%. Not this stupid, but. Well, that's a case that I actually had not heard of charity. I, I really appreciate you bringing that out so I could hear that. Yeah. It was a hard case to do because it's just really so sad and so senseless, you know, and he ended up killing himself. So it's all for naught at the end. Uh, yeah. And I don't think he even knew why. So Mark, I think we should slow down this episode here near the end and just say a little bit about these poor people that were murdered. So I took a little bit from their obituaries, just a little bit about who they were. So Derek Griffin, um, as we know, was 23. Puppy, haven't even started his life yet. Yep. He was actually a second degree black belt and fought in Italy for the U.S. Taekwondo team. How amazing is that? His favorite thing to do was spending time on Lake Erie in his sailboat in his father's inflatable dinghy. How cute is that? Like this family just is like the cutest. Kind of like they're a great family. Great family. So Susan Liskey, she also enjoyed hunting, camping, gardening. And it was said that she had the hugest heart. Everybody who knew her said she had such a big heart. And then we have Billy is what everyone called him, Liskey. He was actually a United States Air Force veteran. He also enjoyed hunting, fishing, gardening, being outdoors. And the land that he lived on was actually, he called it his personal heaven. These people just sound like I've got the chills right now because they just normal, nice family that salt likes salt of the earth, salt of the earth, outdoorsy people. I mean, it's just they all belonged to the same church. So it's just such a sad case and senseless in the, the grand scheme of things that he ended up committing suicide himself. It makes me wonder almost maybe once he got on the proper medications and he had really? to look at what he did. I mean, that's I'm not making excuses up for him or anything like that, but he if he was acting not in the right mind. And when he was finally got his medicines taken care of and he looked back upon it, that's got to be something that is just absolutely heart wrenching to go through as well. Yeah. It's horrible. What a senseless case. It's horrible, but it's a case that I feel like was good to, to bring about because of mental illness. I think it's a good, a good thing to talk about and get people talking about. I, I agree with you 100%. If anybody out there has cases that they think they would like to get our take on, go ahead and send them to us. Info at casewatchpodcast.com. Also reach out to us on Facebook at Case Watch Podcast, Instagram Case Watch Podcast, and we're at Twitter at Case Watch Pod. And one of the biggest things you can do to help us along is to just go onto your podcast app and rate us five stars. It doesn't matter what you put in there. Um, you can put anything you want. Just give us those five stars. They could put wicked awesome. Oh no, we're in mass. Wicked pissa. Wicked Pissa. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, we can't wait to hear from you again. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, guys. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.